it's always good to, to be clear about the expectations of how you know how you will engage with your peers but also the instructor too you know will give prompt feedback and feedback that um, you know makes the student know that their contribution is valued right and that and that they're not just posting things you know and so that's one way of getting keeping them engaged by by letting them know that their contribution is valued you're listening to speaking of language a podcast recorded at the language resource center at cornell university each week we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition this week on speaking of language David Ortega, language technology specialist in the Center for Language Study at Yale University, discusses strategies for engaging learners remotely. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. Our special focus on language teaching and learning strategies in a remote environment continues today with our colleague David Ortega. David is the technology specialist in the Center for Language Study at Yale University. We will talk about strategies for engaging learners remotely. Welcome to Speaking of Language, David. Hi, Angelica. How are you? Hi, Sam. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, we appreciate you taking the time. We know that this is a very busy time for everybody. Um, So before we dive into this topic of how we can engage our learners in this new environment, can you talk a little bit about your background? What is it that you do? What's your path with languages? Sure. Uh, So um, I started off as a PhD candidate in the Department of Spanish and Portuguese. And so I have, you know, I've studied literature and I, uh, you know, I'm also just a language geek. So I've been, (laughs) you know, taking as many languages as possible. So some of them because of language requirements that our program had and then others personal you know interests or you know things that uh, were related to family or or you know um, things that I was reading so I, I took uh, several languages and and I you know I uh, when I started teaching I became uh, really interested in the way the way that I was teaching and, and also just interested in improving you know finding ways of improving you know what I was transmitting to students yeah and Finding ways of, of you know getting students to be uh, engaged, and you know I was very very much uh, you know trying to make my my classroom some uh, an environment that was student centered, and so mm-hmm. I you know I became more and more involved with the CLS, and so I started participating in a lot of the activities that they had, and they have a wonderful certificate program, so the the SLA certificate program. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I went ahead and I fulfilled the requirements and I found, uh, you know, wonderful colleagues there, not just graduate students, but also uh, faculty that, uh, you know, that met at the CLS. And so I started learning more and more. And I, I knew that I, I wanted to um, to do more with language pedagogy. And so mm-hmm. I, 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 I um, you know, I, I, and then I found mentors there too. So then I kind of, you know, got more interested and more into it and I, I'm continuing to learn so I <laughs> we hope, all are <laughs> you know, that I, that I continue to you know to, to learn and what, what right now what I do at the center is, is as you mentioned the title is language technology specialist uh, and the job itself uh, has a, a number of different components so on the one side there's the uh, more of the, the tech support part of it 
Uh, so I uh, support a lot of the um, SEI classes with, you know, with uh, technolo technology issues on a daily basis, but also kind of look at, with my colleagues, of course, look at the bigger picture items. So I, uh, you know, I, I am in constant communication with the, the program manager, Chris Kaiser at Cornell, at, at Columbia, excuse me. And then, uh, you know, Sam and I also text, you know, once in a while when there are problems too. So yeah. we talk yeah. about the daily, but also the bigger picture items. And then uh, the other part of my job is to um, engage with the faculty. So to, um, you know, uh, to work with them, to to uh, think about projects that, that they have in mind that involve technology. And so, uh, you know, I'm always happy to meet with them and to, to be a part of their project. And they're always so welcoming. And, uh, you know, I, again, there's there's a lot that I'm learning from their efforts, their efforts to make the classroom uh, student center environments. So I'm very happy and I feel fortunate to be to be there. Um, and then most recently we had our, you know, our and I'm sure you did too at Cornell, the, um, you know, the two intensive weeks of, of, of um, online teaching bootcamp, essentially. So yeah, that was, that was uh, quite an experience because I, um, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but this is my my first year uh, working there. So I, you know, I, I got uh, quite, quite an experience, a unique experience, you know, given the circumstances and, and, um, and yeah, so, so just involved in a variety of different programs and uh, my job kind of have, has different um, aspects. So. Yeah, so you mentioned your interest in um, student-centered environments and your teaching that you've always um, really uh, focused on that aspect. So can you talk a little bit about what you have been doing and the recommendations that you've been um, giving your faculty at Yale on what can you do now that you're in this remote environment? What do you do to still focus on the student and to engage the student in this slightly different environment? Yeah, I think that I think that um, language instructors, language faculty, uh, we are actually in a quite a one step ahead of the game, I believe in many ways, because our classrooms yes. already tend to be very dynamic, very mm -hmm. centered and you know, we um, because we care about the the, the quality of, of the lesson, right? We care about uh, making sure that students are engaged. We're always thinking, considering different learning styles. We're considering different needs. We're uh, you know making going the extra mile. I think, and I've seen this in the faculty that I that I work with, that they go the extra mile to provide a variety of activities to always learn new tools and and not just to know how to how to use the tools but also how to use them effectively because teaching a language is really quite different from teaching anything else so i feel that yes. they're always seeking advice they're always learning new tools and and you know striving to to make a difference by again having a variety of different activities and then and now in this new environment i think that it provides a good opportunity to 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 use those tools even more, but also to mix it up, shake things up with uh, synchronous and asynchronous uh, activities, so that the students, you know, the students who uh, have an opportunity to, you know, to collaborate outside of the, the the virtual classroom, so they can, you know, they continue with the learning like even beyond uh, the the set time for class. And so that's one way. And then another way is to um, you know, have activities, design activities that 
encourage students to be more uh, autonomous in their learning in some ways. So, you know, keeping with that principle of having uh, the instructor be be more of a facilitator, more of a collaborator, and then you know having them really go out and, and discover things on their own. I think it's mm-hmm. and it's a wonderful way. Of course, you know, with that, I think there are always ways in which we can uh, provide guidelines, guidelines sure. and guidance, and uh, really teach them. You know, also how to maybe not teach them, but also try to show them how to learn in this new environment because it's new, not only for the instructors, but also for the students. And one one concrete example that I saw of, of somebody going the extra mile to teach their student was some um, a uh, French instructor, Kansas group, uh, actually from our de- from the French department created a whole, a whole PowerPoint on, uh, you know, on how to, to 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 help the student to to get used to this new way of, of learning. So not just had to set up Zoom on their computer and how to log, log in to class every day, but also, you know, practical tips on how to, um, you know, try to, to have a home set up, to try to, you know, be comfortable, to try to seek other opportunities to, to um, you know, to complement, you know, what they're doing in the lessons. Mm-hmm. So, so, so this instructor was, you know, had provided this amazing resource uh, to colleagues so that students are also, you know, aware that they have a responsibility to um, to continue to to learn right on their own. And, and so I, I think that that's one uh, one important thing that, um, you know, we continue to foster a sense of a sense of community, making it making it about the student, making it about uh, learner autonomy. Um, but also, you know, include a variety of, of activities. Yeah, and you know, I think this is so important what you what you just mentioned that we really need to support the students, set specific expectations for them, be so clear with what what the goal is of the lesson, even more so than than what we would have done in the traditional face to face environment. Yeah, and I think we can't take for granted that our students will just pick up. Um, the new, the new etiquette or, or just how to move in this new space. So really taking the time to stepping back and explaining to our students, you know, how does this feature function? How are we using the learning management system maybe slightly differently from what we've done before? So I think that's, that's wonderful that um, your faculty have taken this extra time to, to focus on the students before they even dive back into teaching and then focus on engaging the students in this new environment with the content and with each other with, you know with with expectations and guidelines i think that um that uh, tangentially relates to the question of communication and so hmm. i mean this it's more even more important than than, than ever you know to yeah. maintain those channels of communication open and to even strengthen them with you, know, you could have uh, uh, messages sent out in, in different ways. So you could have announcements on campus, you know, on a technical level. You could have emails to make sure that everyone gets messages. And and then also, you know, try to, I mean, I think that, you know, be there for office hours. I mean, I know that language faculty already work so hard and they already offer office hours constantly. But I think that just, just you know, just being there for students, I think it, I think it can make a huge difference. Uh, and so one slight complication too that um, instructors, you know, have already uh, talked about. They're already raising the concern about different time zones because everyone is distributed, like sure, yeah, throughout different geographical locations. So that's that's another thing that you know is 
uh, uh, difficult to deal with, but I think that you know also makes us makes us think about the kind of accommodations that we have to you know that we have to make. Um, but you know, just in another way, just thinking about fairness and what is fair and and for all students, because you know we, we want to maintain that um, within within maintaining a sense of continuity. I think that we also need to uh, maintain that same sense of fairness and providing you know the same level of opportunities for learning as as we had you know on the face in the face to face classroom. When I think this is also, you mentioned, you know, the differences between or or synchronous and asynchronous ways to connect with students. And I think thinking about what really could be done in an asynchronous um, manner and what are the affordances of, of connecting with the students synchronously. So I think rethinking some of our pedagogical approaches for this, um, this is this is the time now. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, so keep, you know, things to keep in mind. And, and you know, we already sort of do this uh, in the face-to-face -face classroom. But if, you know, for instance, if you have a, if you're encouraging students to post things on Canvas as part of a discussion forum, right, I think that it's always good to, to be clear about the expectations of how, you know, how you will engage with your peers, but also the instructor too, you know, will give prompt feedback and feedback that, um, you know, makes the student know that their contribution is valued, right? And that and that they're not just posting things, you know. And so that's one way of getting keeping them engaged by by letting them know that their contribution is valued and by um, you know giving them feedback. And so I mean that's one asynchronous tool. I mean if we talk about there are a, a dozen other tools that we can use, right? So voice thread is one of them too, which is yeah uh, a wonderful you know. Mm -hmm. That allows the, the instructor to, I mean, the student to really practice with all four, you know, language skills. Uh, there are, you know, ways of making uh, interactive videos so that students are also get, you know, get a chance to to supplement what they do, you know. And and again, I think that um, this also comes down to the level of of rethinking. And I think the language instructors do this well, rethinking, thinking about. Um, the kind of uh, items that are perhaps better suited for the async for an asynchronous uh, mm -hmm. experience, right? Yeah. So maybe like you make an interactive video, and let's say that usually maybe in the classroom you have students react to a video and you give them some questions, right? And that's you know that's what they do for maybe ten minutes of a class. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you know we can do that as homework, and they can you know kind of react to those to those videos, um, uh, perhaps to engage in an interactive video experience outside of class and then come back to class to discuss, you know, the video in a, in a different way, right? So kind of in some ways also thinking about uh, multi-literacies approach. So exactly sure, yeah. looking at one source, uh, one piece, one authentic, you know, uh, resource in, in different ways, right? So engaging with different aspects, different layers of, of that. Um, that uh, material. Do you have any stories about specific successes that faculty have shared of tasks and assignments that have engaged their students online or maybe help maintain engagement with materials and their peers offline? One of the things that uh, has been, um, I guess, that has brought joy to me, uh, you know, given the training that we have, have had is that the fact that um, faculty have commented on how uh, they have used the breakout room function 
which I think was one of the most challenging things during the training. And yeah. I have been, you know, happily surprised with the, with you know the comments about how they have used it in the classroom to you know to uh, foster uh, you know that level of intimacy that we have when 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 we have uh, when we pair students up to to do pair work or to do yeah. group work. And I think yeah. that that has been one of the beautiful things that they have been able to do that they were very concerned about because they um at first they didn't know uh whether or not that was an option right and so when once we went through the motions on how to use it i think that they have we have we have brainstormed together on ways in which you know you can make it even uh even to go even beyond the notion of you know pairing people up so one of the things that we've talked about that i you know that i think that people have done successfully is um taking the extra time to strategize when you're using that function, right? When you're using that tool. So, you know, in the language classroom, we're always thinking about pairing students up with, with peers uh, with whom they might be, uh, you know, they might be comfortable working with, but also people that might also, um, so that they could learn from each other. So mm -hmm. in other yeah. words, in other words, perhaps pairing someone who might be stronger in one ability with someone who might be uh, weaker in that same ability so that they, you know, they help each other out. And then, so that's one thing, strategizing is one of the things that we have talked about successfully that they have accomplished. And then another thing is, um, you know, on a very technical level, just sort of utilizing some of the basic functions like renaming the rooms, the breakout rooms, so that uh, there's, you know, that sense of continuity and so that they, they use it, in, you know, in, in several ways they can um, add, you know, to their, to the class, like maybe labeling the rooms for a certain topic that students are discussing in different groups, or you know, to, to foster a sense of, of 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 team, you know, of teamwork. Uh, so that that adds, you know, to to the experience. Uh, uh, so that's one thing that they have talked about that they have done successfully this week. And again, it's it's only the first week, and I think sure. that. To me, that's that's huge because I think it's one of the most challenging functions, and it's also uh, one of the most relevant too. You know, for this, for the for the class as it as it's happening, you know, live in a synchronous way. Uh, they've you know they've also shared other uh, ways in which they've you know they have had their students collaborate using Google Docs or using the the whiteboard uh, function, right? Sharing the whiteboard yeah, so that yeah. students annotate. Uh, so that's one one um, other piece they have done. I had um, had a class because I, I I teach a class and my class is only eight weeks, so it just ended. But hmm. it was interesting for me to I I think the class was successful, but it was we had presentations and usually for these presentations I um, they do they do skits and they usually have props right that they use like costumes wigs or whatnot yeah. and these are medical <laughs> professionals these are medical professionals and so for me I, I didn't have quite the time to re-imagine the assignment and so yeah. it, it took a little bit of time for me to to get used to seeing my students holding their stethoscope up to the camera right instead of actually <laughs> putting it on, on you know on someone's chest or yeah. you know, kind of mimic mimicking everything uh so it took some time for me to adjust to that, but I think that they did. The students did a wonderful job at just, you know, uh, imagining mm -hmm. which, you know, they, they could replicate what they would do in the face-to-face -face classroom, in the physical space.
Yeah, I guess it forces us to to become a little bit more creative too for um, projects or, or tasks like that. Um, so we just started teaching on Monday. So we are still, um, we're a little bit uh, behind you guys with our experience of actually experiencing this new environment here. Um, what would your number one suggestion be to make sure that our students are actually comfortable in this new space? What can we tell our students? How can they still get better adjusted to this new remote environment? I think that, um, again, it's, 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 a, I think it's a question about, um, you know, making sure that students know that, um, that, you know, we understand the circumstances, but that, uh, you know, the, uh, I mean, the, the language classroom really is more than, uh, at least to me, it's really more than just a class. I think that because of uh, the frequency with which we see our students and the, free, the, 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 the number of skills that we work on with them, and you know the different aspects that are involved, you know, with language learning. So to beyond uh, the development of language, you know, but also development of really an identity and a sense of community. I think that it is important to remind students that the language classroom is 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 a community uh, of of learners, and, and that um, you know to to you know to encourage them to see it in that way. Uh, to see it as, as as something that is beyond just a class, you know, and I, I think that maybe it can it can be, perhaps it might be difficult because of you know students have different some students might have different priorities, but I think that um, ideally I would say that you know remind students that you know it's it's more about just a class, it's more about it's about a community, it's mm -hmm. about uh developing a sense of identity learning about another culture discovering really uh you know yourself as a learner too so and yeah and, and ultimately you know, about communication right about communication of yeah. course communication and and that's i mean that's essentially it's highly relevant right now because you know we are asked to be isolated and so yeah. the English classroom really provides an opportunity for us to to communicate, to keep in touch, yep. and and learning the language. You know, keeping up with those abilities can you know help us reach more people later than I mean now, but also later down down um, down the road. So oh, great, thank you, David. Um, we appreciate all your time and your thoughts. Um, but before we sign off. We would like you to share with us your favorite word in a language you speak or have learned or learning or want to learn. So uh, love to hear it. Uh, this is the most difficult question, but um, <laughs> I'm glad, I, I guess. That's... <laughs> so um, so when I was in college, I took Japanese for a year and I actually got an opportunity to to travel to Japan. And, okay. And uh, so my favorite word is actually um, really, two words with a hyphen, and it's it's a concept. It's the it's wabi sabi, wabi sabi, and so wabi sabi is more of a a worldview, and so this worldview is a worldview that encourages us to see 
beauty in imperfection mm. to see you know really uh, the fact that um, you know everything is impermanent and to see that as something that is beautiful so it's more of an aesthetic in some ways and it you know that uh, the sort of like the sense of longing resonates with me on a personal level kind of longing accepting that imperfection and accepting what you know that certain roughness so while it resonates with me, it also kind of I also kind of struggled to fully understand it. So I always have to wrestle with this concept of you know of transience, of, of imperfection, of yeah. finding beauty in what is really incomplete, maybe mm-hmm. in some ways. And so that and 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 then so that's one sort of on, on the conceptual level. But the word, I mean, two words really, wabi sabi. To me, it has you know it, it the, the the symmetry uh the rhyme that is inside of it and also yeah. just the number of the number of syllables i think maybe in some ways it also helps that um japanese is syllabic and so my, my native language is spanish and so it's also syllabic with you know consonant vowel uh and so japanese also has that consonant vowel that is you know pretty much um you know i would say a big big portion of words have that that, that kind of syllable um yeah a beautiful word and a beautiful concept indeed yeah absolutely well great thanks so much for speaking of language with us today david no problem it was my pleasure thanks so much all right well next week we will continue our special focus on language teaching and learning strategies in a virtual space until then the language resource center is located on the ground floor of stimson hall on cornell's main campus in ithaca new york Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners, and do stay tuned for our next episode.